Respeita a Zé. Give another person the benefit of the doubt. Do you see somebody doing something that you're not that, that he's not allowed to do? So the halacha is as tzedek tishpera misecha. English? What do you think I'm talking? So if Ruvain sees Shimon, if Ruvain sees Shimon doing something that he's not allowed to do so you have to try to give him the benefit of the doubt so pastors is a mitzvah test of Nathera Zishtet Rambam in the Sefer HaMitzvah that it's a mitzvah test of Nathera to give another person the benefit of the doubt mitzvah test that's what Rabbi Yenah says Zishtet Nechinach wherever you look you'll see it's a mitzvah test and uh those that are learning Pirkei Office, not meaning that uh, from Pesach till Sukkot, but not Pirkei Office, even though Yeshiva, it's very hard to find that meaning. But I'll call for them, so that meaning by Klai Yisomu, so I'm Pirkei Office. So in Pirkei Office, it says, a Mishnah, we've done this Kolodim, the Kavschus. And over there, the Mephoshim on the side say that it's a Midas Chassidus, that you don't really have to give your friend the benefit of the doubt. But it's a Midas Chassidus, it's a Midas Taiva. The Chastira, the Rambam himself in Sefer HaMitzvah says that it's a mitzvah and here he says it's a Midas Chassidus. Anyway, the Mephoshim answer. Prophet Chaim discusses it. <coughs> and he says it all depends what we're talking about. If you see a person and you don't know who he is, whether he's a Sadiq, a Benini, a Rosha, you don't know who he is. So then there's a Midas Chassidus it's better to give the person the benefit of the doubt. But what if you know the person? So then there's a chiv, minatera, to be done in a kapschus if you know that he's a tzaddik, basically. And Rabbi Niyana says there's different madregas. There's different madregas in this halacha. If the person's a tzaddik, even if it's very far-fetched, that what he's doing is allowed, he's doing something that most likely is wrong, it's very hard for you to stretch your imagination to find that for limit him to find some way where you can give him the benefit of the doubt. So you're still mechuyev to do it. The person's a tzaddik. If the person's a bainini, so only if it's 50-50. It's a suffix to you whether he's doing something right or wrong, then you should give him the benefit of the doubt. What if most likely he's doing something wrong? You don't have to give him the benefit of the doubt, but it's a midas It's better to give him the benefit of the doubt. What if he's a Russia? Then it's a mitzvah the other way. You have to assume he's doing something bad. There is no khir of being balam of the kafs. Who is in fact you're not allowed? Is uh, just going to tell you a small preface before we get to mysis. Just interested in mysis, but mice anyway. But I'm just going to tell you something that might save your life. The Baal Shem Tev brings down, and the others bring it down from him, and other Rishayim, other Achrayim bring it down in different forms. This you saw. When it comes after a person dies and they're down a person, they give a judgment to the person on everything that he did. So every judgment that's given on a person after he dies, so everybody is masking to the judgment, including the defendant, including the person that's being judged. Now how do they get him to be masking to the judgment? They show him that when he was alive, a similar question came up and they asked him what he thinks about it and he said this should be the judgment. And that's shot in the Mishnah in, in Pirkei Ovis. In Pirkei Ovis, it's state of some Mishnah, Shvera Mishnah, it says like this. It says that 
says that the uh, it says in Perik Perik uh, Gimel Mishnah Chaf. You'll take a look later. When if Roim in a order midaita v'shaloi midaita, the Rebbeister is puni- punishes a person or he takes a judgment from the person midaita when he knows about it v'shaloi midaita. What does it mean here exactly? So the Baal Shem Tov explains. <coughs> That the person himself is judging himself, not knowingly. Everybody knows the Maitre in, in Nach, where after Dover HaMelech took Bathsheba, Nosan Anobi came to Dover HaMelech and he asked him a Shiloh. There were two people, a man that was rich and a man that was poor. The man that was rich had a lot of sheep, the man that was poor had only one sheep. And the man that was rich had a guest. And he didn't feel like taking any sheep from his own Flock. He was a stingy guy, so he took a sheep, he took the sheep of the poor man, and he came to Dover Amelch and asked him what's the din. So Dover Amelch said that he's a Ganef, and he has to pay Dalid for the halachas uh, of, 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 of Ganef. Then he said Ben Mavisu. And now, uh, the Dini Shemaim, as far as Shemaim is concerned, he deserves to be put to death. Misabadei Shemaim. Then Nosan Anovi said to him, You're the guy. In other words, he illustrated. A shtickle, a shtickle, nidnud of an avera that Dovra Melch did in this manner. He came to him and asked him a shayla, he asked Dovra Melch to paskin, and then later he told him, I'm asking the shayla because you're just not paskin on yourself, you're then. In other words, throughout your lifetime, the Rebishter gives you opportunities to decide and to judge yourself, not knowingly. You think you're judging somebody else. And you t- could be not judging somebody else. In reality, it's Megayat to somebody else. But after a person dies and he's coming up to the dinner, so they show him that you yourself, you yourself, held that this should be the judgment in such a case. So a person should be very, very slow to condemn somebody when he sees somebody doing something wrong. Because many times his condemnation of the other person is, is basically signing a death warrant for himself. <coughs> because later they're going to show him this is the exact same case that you, Paskin, 30 years ago, or you yourself 30 years ago, said this should be the judgment. <coughs> That's that in the Mishnah, in other words, you yourself, by being fast to judge somebody else when you saw him doing something bad, are causing a lot of problems for yourself, not knowingly. So a person has to be very, very careful before he condemns somebody else when he hears or, or he sees somebody else doing something wrong, he should try as much as possible to try to find some kind of limitzchur, some kind of, of benefit of the doubt. And even if it's not really a doubt, the Kotzke Rebbe, Zechot used to say, why did the Rebbe to create people with a krumah kop? A krumah kop in English, I don't know how you say it. A krumah kop, a krumah kop. Why did the Rebbe to create people with a krumah kop? What's the purpose of a krumah cup? There has to be a purpose for everything. A spider, a chreis, a dos, a yedas achota a purpose. Dobra melachot kefak pravazdosis, pravazdosis. What is a krumah cup? So he said the purpose of a person having a krumah cup is to use it out to be malamid. Schus on other people. Even though it's far-fetched, it's crazy, it's absurd. But you never know. You never know why the other person is doing what he's doing. So you shouldn't be so fast to pass it up and say that he's a bomb or whatever. About that, I'm not talking about somebody that, that uh, the Gedalian Paskin, the Gedalian Paskin is Afrikaans or something, or Russia, whatever. We're talking about when you see a friend doing something wrong, so you did to me to see this, or it's a, or it's a mitzvah, and I depending on the circumstances, to be malavid in the So I'm going to give you a whole bunch of mices, and as soon as you feel bored, you should pick yourself up and pack out, and don't feel that you're being revised me or anything, but geigus and teit and geishlofen. Now, some of the mice, you heard some of the mice, you didn't hear? Whatever it is. I can't listen what anyone heard, so I'm just telling you these mice. <coughs> Everybody knows the rashash, the rashash. We learned the rashash in the back of the Gomorrah. One of them falls from the back of the Gemara, all of Eisendos. The Rashash lived not too long ago in Vilna. The Rashash, in recent times, 
was one of the few gedolim that there was teira gedolim b'makom echad. He was a big gadol in learning, and he had a lot of money. Teira gedolim b'makom echad, and he used to have a gemilas chesed. He used to have a free loan, a free loan, whatever it is, a gemilas chesed to loan people money without interest. Whoever needed money, he used to come to him and he used to loan them money and they used to make up with them when they have to pay back and as they write They came to the Rashash in Vilna, a tailor. And the tailor needed a loan. No, the Rashash gave him the loan and he wrote it down in his uh, notebook the day that the tailor is obligated to pay back the loan. When the time of payment of the loan came, the tailor came to the Rashash and he paid his debt. He paid his debt, he paid back the loan. The Rashash at the moment was very immersed in his learning. He used to sit and learn a rev of the day. And he put the money in back of his Gemara. Temporarily, he put the money in back of his Gemara. And he didn't write down in his notebook that it was paid. After a couple of days, the Rashash looked through his notebook to see who owes him money for the Gemilas Chesed. And he saw that the loan of the tailor was not yet paid. It was in the book. It didn't say that it was paid. So he sent a shliach to the tailor that the tailor should pay the loan. So the tailor answered back to the shliach. He already paid it. The Rashash later went to see the tailor himself and he says, how could you say that you paid it? In my notebook, I have that it's not paid. So the tailor says, but I did pay it. I, I gave you the money in your hand. Kids the Rashash didn't remember that he paid it. Used to come hundreds and hundreds of people to the Rashash, in and out, in and out. And he forgot to write it down. So, Machlik uh, is the Rashash and the tailor. So they went to a basin. They went to the basin. And for states of the tailor lost the din tailor. And they passed him that he owes the, they owe the money. <coughs> and uh, understandingly, understandingly, everybody in town felt after this din tailor that this tailor is a crook. So people stopped giving the tailor business. So he suffered gewaldic ebusha. And slowly but surely, people stopped going to him. Now technically speaking, in such a case, Bezin is Machai Veshua. Bezin makes him swear that he paid and then he would be potter. And he said he's ready to swear. But since uh, the Rashash and the Bezin were afraid that maybe it's going to come out a shvua shov, a shvua shekel. So they asked the rashash that he should be Michael the shvua. And that's what he did. So maybe he didn't have to pay Lamaisa. So technically speaking, he didn't have to pay because he was Michael the shvua. Because if he swore, he would be potter. But they felt that it would be a shvua shekel. The rashash didn't want that on his head that he should cause somebody else to swear shvua shekel. They felt for sure he's a liar. So, and he's ready to swear. He didn't have any hesitations about swearing. He was ready to swear. So the rashash said, I'm Michael the shvua. Don't pay me and I wouldn't talk. But slowly but surely, he lost his business because they felt that he's a crook. So the stuff was that a second tailor had to open up a business in town in that area where this first tailor was because they needed a tailor and they didn't want to go to this tailor because they felt this tailor was a crook. So the first tailor eventually lost his parnosa. He became an uneven avian. And everybody in town, bar none, felt that the tail is a crook. There's a mitzvah of but over here you have the rashash on the other side. That's very hard. A big Anyway, the Chayat, the tailor, packed out of town because he couldn't afford to live in Vilna. He didn't have a business anymore. Vilna was a big town, big city. <laughs> So he had to move to a small village 
where things are much less. And uh, he lived the life of an only Bavian. The kids are I say after some time, the Rashash opens up his Gemara in the back and he finds the money that he put there at the time that the tailor paid the debt. And he counted the money and he saw and he remembered that that was basically the same amount, it was the exact same amount that the tailor owed him. And he started thinking that maybe it's true, the tailor paid him and he didn't realize it. So the Rashash had a lot of tzah what he caused to the tailor. And he started making inquiries to find out where the tailor lives now. And they told him that he left town and he lives in this, in this village. The Rashash went to him, he found him and he asked him Mechila. Because he caused him to lose his parnos and he caused him all kinds of busha and anguish and as they write him. The tailor didn't want to be Michael the Rashash. He said, how can I be Michael? You Look, look what, I, what you caused me. You caused me to lose my business and you caused me busha and cherp and all of the zachim. Well, what am I, how can I be Michael you? So the Rashash says, I'll tell you what, I'll go to every single shul in Vilna and in the surrounding areas and I myself will get up on the bimba and I will make the announcement that you are right and I was wrong and you'll, you'll, you'll come back to your original position and everybody will know that I was wrong. So the tailor didn't want to be Michael still. He said, if you do that, people will say that really I'm a crook. Now the only reason why you, the Rashash, went around from shul to shul stating that you were wrong and I was right is because they'll say you're a tzaddik. And you did You did more than you had to do. But really I'm a bum. People won't really believe that I was innocent. No. The Rashash didn't know what to do. I mean, the story shows but it also shows the godless of the Rashash. The Rashash was, uh, was in a massive, he was in a predicament, he didn't know what to do. Now everybody knows that if there's a, a person that's Odom Godel and he has a lot of money. So, uh, when it comes the time to marry off his daughter, the Rashash has to marry off his daughter, he can take whoever he wants. And people would wait online to become the son of the Rashash. Lifetime support, be able to sit and learn, your father was Adam Gogol. Whatever you want, you have. The Rashash, Rashtetzach, had a daughter, and his Zichra had plans all his life to marry off his daughter to the best Bokha that he could find in any yeshiva in the surrounding area. But on the other hand, the Rashash had a dilemma here. How in the world is he going to get the tailor to be Meichelim? <coughs> and if he's not going to be Meichelim, it's going to be bitter. If the, when it comes to Yimadin, So the Rashash said to the tailor, You have a son. He said, yeah. So he says, Well, I have a daughter. Maybe we'll make a shidduch. Your son. Or marry my daughter. This way, everybody will know that you're not a crook. Because if you were a crook, I wouldn't allow that I should become a mechutn with you, that I should marry off my daughter to your son. And he chose the Gavaldik and The son of the tailor was not a Talmud Chochem. The son of the tailor was a Pashta Yid. He wasn't a Talmud Chochem. And in order not to suffer, in the Oilam Ha'emes, for what he did to the tailor, the Rashash married off his daughter to the son of the tailor. And as is given, and this way he was Meichelim. So the Maisa shows you many things. I don't want to go into the long Shemuzan about each Maisa. But the Maisa shows you, number one, the godless of the Rashash. I don't think you realize what kind of godless this is on the part of the Rashash. When you'll have a daughter to marry off, and you'll understand what this means, then you'll understand the godless of the Rashash. On the other hand, it shows that it's possible the whole town the whole city of Vilna <coughs> should feel A is right and B is wrong 
and Klapi Shmaya was the exact opposite. Even though we're dealing with the Odom Godel, and we're dealing with some Hashtetzach, it's almost impossible for us to give guidelines that in such a case, if this would happen again, Odom Godel has a Sikhsuch with another person. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's too hard of an Isoyan for us to say that the Odom Godel is wrong and the, the Pashtun Mensch is right. But you see that it's not so simple. You have to be very slow. The Paschalab would have Adois, and you probably never should Paschalab would have Adois. It should always be a suffix in your mind. There's another Misa that shows this. This is a more famous Misa that more people know, but some people don't know. Kedai to say over. This is a famous Misa with the Ksav Seifa. <coughs> also, all these Misa should show you at the end of all these Misa, you should at least have a small a small uh, a small uh, lesson of, of how far you have to go to be done with even when it seems uh, a million percent that it can be. In the days of the Ksav Sefer, it was a very big chasana. And all the G'daylam, basically, of that area went to the chasana. Everybody was sitting by the chasana, and the Ksav Sefer took out from his pocket a machtis hashekel. He took out a real machtis hashekel from the days of the Beis HaMikdush. A real, live machtis hashekel. everybody... Everybody wanted to touch the Machtes HaShekel, something that existed in the days of the Beis HaMikdash. And that's why he took it out of his pocket, that's why he brought it to the Chassanem and Sameach Zayn. Everybody should see a Machtes HaShekel from the days of the Beis HaMikdash. He showed it to all the Rabbonim, everybody wanted to touch it, everybody wanted it, everybody felt it, they'll touch it, it's his Gula, Machtes HaShekel. The kids say everybody but the Chassanem wanted to touch it. So, the Ksav Seifer said, fine, everybody can touch it, everybody can uh, look at it, everybody can feel it, but I want it back. A Machtes HaShekel, I mean, would be worth Mistama today in the millions. Besides the value that it has monetarily, Anyway, the Machtes HaShekel went from hand to hand at this Chasana. And most people forgot about it, they kept on eating and this and that, that and this, and only those people that were involved in it were involved in it. Went from table to table, from hand to hand. Then, it was getting close to the end of the chasana. So the Machti Ksav Seifer told somebody that was close to him, I'd like to get my Machti Sashekel back. So they asked for the Machti Sashekel, they made an announcement. The head waiter made an announcement that uh, whoever has the Machti Sashekel should give it back. The kid said, there's no Machti Sashekel. No one answers that he has a machtes hashekel. There's no machtes hashekel. Melam. The Ksav Seifer wasn't prepared to lose a machtes hashekel as they push it. So he said, we have no choice, but we're going to have to close all the doors. No one leaves. And before they leave, they're going to have to frisk him. And I got to talk. Someone's going to have to frisk each person on the way out. And whoever has a machtes hashekel is, is finished. Well, what was the cheshman of the Ksav Seifer to make the statement? He figured for sure that the Ganev will find some way to get the Machtes HaShekel out of his clothing, out of his property, and it should end up on the floor somewhere, and someone's going to say, he found it, and I couldn't talk, and I don't know who the Ganev is. In other words, this way the Ganev will be able to give back the Machtes HaShekel, and there won't be no busha to him. Anyway, it didn't happen. No one found any Machtes HaShekel. They waited a little bit before they started frisking people. And there was no Machtes HaShekel. So the Ksav Seifer says, look, we have no choice. We have to start checking people to see who has the Machtes HaShekel. All of a sudden, they're ready to start the, uh, the frisking process. And an old Choshevarov, a Zokin, gets up and he says, I, I beg of the Ksav Seifer, that we should continue the chasana and do whatever we have to do and wait at least a half hour before we start the frisking process. 
No. He didn't say why. He says he has a reason for it. A large percentage of the people there started being choshish. Ulai, maybe he's the guy that has it and he's trying to figure out how to get rid of it. But he's an old Rav, an elder Yid. So they tried not to think those thoughts. And the Ksav Seifer was masking. Meanwhile, they spoke and learning, they ate, they sang. A half hour finished. And the Rav got up again, this old Rav that asked for a half hour, he got up again and says, please, I beg of the Ksav Seifer that he should give another 15 minutes before he starts the frisking process. By this time, Ruba the Ruba, rave of the people of this Hasana made up their mind that this guy is guilty. It's just that he probably is too stupid, they figured, he's too stupid to know how to get rid of it in such a way that no one will know that he had it. And he's trying to figure out an answer. That's what they figured. What can you do? I mean, a guy calls up twice for an extension before the frisking process starts. He doesn't give any reason for it. And there was no other explanation except this explanation that went on in most people's minds. <clears throat> the 15 minutes was about up. In other words, it's almost 45 minutes of this delay. All of a sudden, <clears throat> one of the waiters comes in from the kitchen and he uh, holds it up. He holds up this Maktas HaShekel and he asks, who lost this coin? And he showed that, that he had the Machtas HaShekel. He found it in one of the dishes that was taken out of the, uh, the catering hall. Everybody was happy. But gebenched. The chasana was over. On a guten tag. On a guten nacht. Anyway, the Ksav Seifer still didn't understand what's the chat with this old man. He couldn't believe that he's the guy that, what he called, that took it. In order that there should be no chashas on him, he felt that he should go over and ask him privately why he asked for this extension. When the Ksav Sefer came over to this old Rav, the old Rav took out from his pocket a machtas shekel. And he said, I also have a machtas shekel. And I also brought my machtas shekel to be Mesameach people that they should see a machtas shekel. But when your machtas shekel got lost, and you were going to start frisking people to see who has a machtas shekel, you would have found my machtas shekel. And there's no way that anyone would have believed that I had my own Machtas HaShekel. So therefore, he says to the Ksav Seifer, I asked for an extension. And during this extension, I sat and was mispal, that somebody should find your Machtas HaShekel. So those vice, this goes to show you, it's to have a machtas shekel is a, is a chveis is so far-fetched that someone should have a machtas shekel. It's, it's a chveis, a, a zillion to one that someone's going to have a machtas shekel. That there should be two of them in one room is kanat nachayach. To believe, even if you're from a Yidin, you want to be mekayim de mitzvah, b'tzadik tishvah it's very hard to believe that he ain't the Ghana. Especially if you see the machtas shekel in his pocket. But the ma'isa, as they is given, there were two of them. It's far-fetched. Of from even though it's very, 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 very far-fetched that what, that he's not that, that he's not doing anything wrong, there's a chiyav of b'tzedek tishvara And the truth of the matter is, as much as you go, go out of your way to be done, somebody else, that's how much the Hevishter goes out of his way, whatever that means, to be done you. But that will show them right, they might even like. Next Maisa, also showing this, illustrating this. This is a famous Maisa. It was printed eventually in Yerushalayim Shalmaila. And maybe in some English books. Some know it, some don't know it. What? I don't know. The Heavenly City. Okay, the Heavenly City. It's called the Heavenly City. For the English-speaking people. Now, it, this is the Maisa. Weiter, an illustration of how far you have to go to be down the Kapschus. In the days of Rav Shmuel Salant, in the days of Rav Shmuel Salant, Rav Shmuel Salant was the Rav of Yerushalayim. Those that don't know a little bit of history know that there was a tremendous hunger in those days. People had very little to eat. People were starving in Eretz Yisrael. 
But there were some people that had some money. And one of those one of those people that had money was a, was a, a family called Bergman, Bergman family. Mishpachas Bergman in Eretz Yisrael. A chosh of a family in Yerushalayim that had money in those days, even though everybody else was very poor. Kitzar one of the kids in the family of the Bergmans took a very chosh of a coin in those days with the permission of his family, permission of his parents, to buy some sweets from a Svaldish vendor of sweets in Yerushalayim. A Svaldi that sold sweets in the streets of Yerushalayim. On one of these uh, wagons, push carts. The name of the coin was a Napoleon. I had a picture of Napoleon on it for some reason. And it was a very hush of a coin. It was a golden coin. And that coin was able to support a family in Yerushalayim in those days for a long time. The kid went to the vendor, the candy store man, whatever you want to call him, and he bought a couple of candies, a couple of sweets. And he got back a couple of small coins as change. He came back. The father asked him, where's the change? He took a very hush of a coin to buy sweets, and he came back. So he asked him, where's the change? And the kid gave the father the change that the vendor, the candy store man, gave him. So the father says to him, what's happening here? I, you took a Napoleon. The name of the coin was a Napoleon. For a Napoleon, you have to get back a lot more change than what you are giving back to me now. So the kid says, I didn't lose anything. I was very careful. I brought the change, and this is what he gave me. Immediately the father went outside to the candy store man and he said, what's going on here? I know my kid took a Napoleon and you gave him a very little change for what he bought. So the Svadish candy store man says, your son did not give me a Napoleon, your son gave me a Chirala, the name of a coin, a different coin. A copper coin that looks like a Napoleon, the same size, but a copper coin which is worth much less. And I gave you exactly the change of a chilama, not of a Napoleon, because that's what he gave me. Father didn't believe him because he knows clearly that the kid took a Napoleon from the house. Kids are a maizer, they went to Abshmuel Salant. He should ask in our local maizer, what's my thought? This guy's a ganef. Abshmuel spoke to the candy store man. And the candy store man, the seicha of, 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 the, of the sweet said he's prepared to swear that the kid did not give him a Napoleon, the kid gave him a chirla. Right? Rabbi Shmuel didn't want him to swear, misofik. It was, it was by him it was a suffix, so he didn't want him to swear. So Rabbi Shmuel Salant asked Rabbi Bergman, this, this uh, father, that he should be Michael the Shvua in order not to cause a Shvua Sheka. So he was Michael the Shvua, but Abada. Most people deep down in their hearts believe that this Svadi is a crook. Fighter is all bizarre. Six years later, for six years, people walked around thinking that he's a crook. Six years, he had no way to prove that he's not a crook. Six years, he had to suffer this, this busha, whatever it is, of people thinking and people looking at him with a crooked eye that this guy's a ganif. After six years, which was after the war, First World War, or whatever war it was at that time, it was the First World War, Anyway, the kids are amazed this guy Bergman, the father of the kid, gets in the mail, in a letter, he gets this coin, a Napoleon, wrapped up in an envelope from a third party. Six years later, six years later. And in the letter it says as follows. What happened six years ago with the Svaldisha candy store man, you should know that he was 100% honest. I, the guy that's writing the letter says, I, when I saw your son coming out of your house with his golden coin, and I and my family were in a massive that we didn't have anything to eat, we were pushing, plotting for food, I couldn't withstand the test. So I went over to your son and I started flipping coins with him, started playing around with him. 
And I said, hey, kid, catch. And he threw me his coin, and I threw him his coin, back and forth and forth and back, until the kid didn't realize that I switched coins on him. And the kid went to buy the stuff by the candy store man and came back with the right change. I finally was able to put together enough money to pay back what I stole. Please be Michael me. And that's it. Well, you see how far a person has to go, even though it didn't seem that the guy was, was saying the truth. Nevertheless, you see from here how far you have to go to be down the Kapschus. There are people uh, today also that have this problem. In, in, in modern society, Abisa Zalman Meltzer, Zechatarik Levrocha, had a son. I don't know if he's still alive. Could be he's still alive. Could be not. He had a son that had an important position in Washington. He had some kind of position in Washington. Abisa Zalman Meltzer's son. The says, Baron Kotler's Zechatarik Levrocha's brother-in-law. Anyway, Hashanah people had a tendency to speak bad about him because he wasn't a Rosh He didn't go in the footsteps of his father. He didn't have the same kind of position. So people looked to find as fault with him. Kitzar Meiser, this guy was related or is related to Rebetzin Ruderman in Baltimore, Olea Shalom. So when he was in Washington, he used to come over to her pretty often to spend some time with her. And somebody that was by this Meltzer in Washington said over to Rebetzin Ruderman that he himself saw with his own eyes that after he ate a nice meal of flesheks, he took a drink of milk. He took a drink of milk. That's what this guy said over to Rebbe Tzeruderman. Anyway, Rebbe Tzeruderman asked him point blank, what's up, shot? So he says, I'll tell you. He says, I have ulcers. And my father, Rabbi Zalman, told me that after I eat a meal, I should drink milk. Ah, you gotta wait six hours? You don't have to wait. A person that's a chayla doesn't have to wait six hours. And you're a chayla, you're allowed to drink milk and I wouldn't talk. So you never know. You see a yid. Well, over here they were looking for trouble. But anyway, when you see a yid, when I drink milk afterwards, that's not correct. I'm a chuzayin, that mistama, he's allowed to. My Rebbe, told me that when he was in a hospital, just telling you, it's not negated, it's not negated. When he was in a hospital, so I once went to visit him and he was sick in Brookdale Hospital in, uh, in Swatbush. So uh, he says to me, I don't trust the cashers here. So I said, what's this? What do you find wrong with the cashers here? He says, there's such amarats and I can't believe that there's kosher here. When you have someone that's an amarats, you, tr- you have to be cashers on the cashers. Well, what's the problem? I asked for milk and they don't give me no milk. And the nurse says to me that I can't give you no milk because uh, Jewish law says can't get no milk six hours after a meat meal. Got to wait six hours before you could eat, drink milk. So the Augustman says to me, he says, there are a bunch of Mishaglayim here. He says, who's in a hospital? Can't mention. Sick people. If a sick person asks for milk, so you're allowed to give milk. Don't gotta wait no six hours, it's a chumrah, and by a sick person getting it the ganze aloha. If they're so stupid, they don't know a simple aloha, that a chayla is allowed to have milk after fleshiks, whenever he wants it, so I can't trust the kashrus. Just telling you, as I think is What? Maybe what? You wanna be Mlam Tzchus in a hospital? Huh? Right, nicer. We got these little kids out of here. We can talk about other things. That's them. Just the Gay the Sedra, but some Anagaya Uns. Schwartz, Angelina Schwartz. 
I just want to tell you what's Nagea in a sedrum. We'll get off the topic for a second. Two things. Huh? Two things. Number one, uh, if you, those that have, it's uh, time it's a good tzach. Over the summer, every bacha should should go through the medrash says on all five kumoshim. It's a good tzach to have. Everybody should have it on Bereshis and on Shemois and on Vayikran and on Midbar and on Dvorim. It's very important you say this even though during the summer you're going to lay in the Midbar and Dvorim. Close your mouth, they have it, I have it. Close your mouth. <laughs> so nevertheless, you should go through the whole thing because maybe you don't have time during the week. If you do have time during the week to look at it on Shabbos, it's a very good desire. So go to sleep each night during the week with the Medrash says on the Sedra is very good. First of all, I'll give you ideas on the Sedra that you normally wouldn't get. And it's not as heavy as the man lays in English. It's easy reading and it's a very good Sedra. So I'm just going to tell you two things that, that, that I saw on this week's Sedra. In, uh, in, in Pashas uh, in, in Pashas Acharei there's a Pasha of Moilach everybody knows the Pasha of Moilach it's in Avedi Zora where they sacrifice kids they sacrifice kids to the Moilach what's Mentis? Achmono Litzlan there was an Avedi Zora in those days we don't have the, uh, the type of Avedi Zora today Baruch Hashem but a father used to take his kid and have the kid geshochten for this Havai Dezorah. Shech the kid for the Havai Dezorah. We can't understand it, we can't fathom it, because we don't have this Havai Dezorah, this type of Havai Dezorah anymore. It became bottle, Baruch Hashem. We have lower Tivus. But they had the type of Havai Dezorah. So what is that Havai Dezorah of Moilach? They took a kid, and they killed the kid. All in the name of the Havai Dezorah. We have a moilach today also. It's not physically killing the kid, it's spiritually killing the kid. And the name of the moilach is college, he says. And he said not only college, he was not even talking about college, he was talking about things even before. If you send your kid, just telling it, negate a sedges, also Dalton Lanen, and you'll edit make it up, you'll read it yourself. If you send your kid, to a, a yeshiva that's half-baked putting it mildly that has in it people that say things which are connected to Taylor so what you're doing is sacrificing the ruchnias of your son which is much worse than killing him they kill your kid so he has a one-way trip to Gan Eden sure. what do you want from the kid? you killed your kid he goes to Gan Eden but if you killed him spiritually, he's finished. There's no hope for him. There's nothing you can do. He's finished. So if the kid becomes an apicator there, so there's a good talk. Those are the murder from his manazer. And he warns every parent that just like it's a natural tendency for a father and a mother to be involved in the physical welfare of their children, as soon as the kid has a cut right away, but prepare a stitches, emergency room, so with the same amount of zahidus and not any less, but more, you have to be zoyer about his, his ruchnius. And that's the moilach of his manazir. You'll take a look yourself, you'll read it yourself. is what I speak out a lot in the ninth grade. And I said it many times in the ninth grade, Mestamba other times also. On the is wissen because you have to hazard it over and over and over and over. And this week's Sedra is the famous funny carbon. What's made this a famous funny carbon? The most potent, strongest carbon that there is in the whole Taylor is an Heintek Sedra. And it's a funny carbon. Alamola carbon means you take an animal, you make smich on it, you make a shchita, you make a zrika, and the Ramban explains you're supposed to feel that you're the one that's supposed to be geshocht and your blood is supposed to be sprinkled your chedav is supposed to be burnt on the mizbeach and this way it brings you to tshuva you have a kapora and a guten tov in Pashaytzach you gotta do tshuva bishas the korban or else you have no kapora but in this week we have a korban that not only knocks off shaygik it doesn't not only knock off one, one aver it knocks off thousands and thousands of averes even if you didn't do tshuva and if you did do tshuva it knocks off everything Belch a korban it does, a korban where there's no shechita, where there's no zrika, where there's no burning of the chaylev. 
That's the the, the soil azazel. You take two goats. One goat is a korban for the Eibishter. The other, the, the thing that gives you the kapara is taking this goat to a cliff, giving it a shove, and it's bashed a bit. And you could be spoofing away in bed without even having any kavones. And you have a kapara on all your averas kalas. If you did shuvah, you have averas on everything. No one can understand it. What kind of korban is this? One guy brings an animal to a cliff, throws it off the cliff, no more Averis. And I couldn't talk. How does it work? The soil has Azazel. In, in Medrash says, you'll see it, the Kitzer, but I once spoke about it, or several times spoke about it, that the Pshad is as follows. The soil state in Medrash represents Esav ish soil. Esav. Esav. The soil azozel is representative of Esav. It says, Venosa soil, all of the Naskola, Avoinoisam. Shait Medrash, it means Avoinoisam. Avoinoisam means Avoinoisam. They are Vedas of Yaakov. In other words, this soil, this goat, represents Goyim. And by taking this goat, and throwing it off the cliff, we have a kapora. Because by doing it, it's a display, it's a statement that Klai Yisrael understands that the reason, or the main reason why they do Averas is because of the influence of Goyim. And if it wouldn't be for the influence of the Goyim, we wouldn't do any Averas. A Yid's problem Especially if he's in Golas. Even if he's not in Golas, it's another problem. Even if he's in Eretz Yisrael, Bishat Beis Hamikdash, there's still influence of Goyim. But I'll go put him a Yidden Golas for sure. And in Eretz Yisrael today is Echad Golas, not Echad Golas, not Aggressor Golas. If a Yid is exposed to the influence of Goyim, so it's going to be, it's impossible that he shouldn't do Avedas. Impossible. In America, Rove of the people that came to America from Yidin. Rove of the people that landed in America throughout the years were from Yidin. The states of there was already people that came there because everyone informed already. But we're talking about Rove. And if not Rove, a very large minority. And in the Meshach of one or two Dairis, their grandchildren are basically, uh, you can't tell that they're Jews. What happened? They came to the free country called America, and this free country called America caused the greater achurban than Hitler Yemachshemoy. Hitler Yemachshemoy killed six million Jews, and the the golden Medina of America, the free country of America, with all your freedoms, with all the Bill of Rights, and Dalagutezachin, has created a much greater sakona to Klai Yisrael, where more than six million Jews are finished with. The majority of Hasanists in the United States, it's like three out of five, are with are mixed marriages. These are discovered. The influence of the boy. So says the soil azozel of Haitik Sedra and the Avaid of Yemakipurim is to uproot the influence of the boy. You say it Kiseda but you don't realize it. Shtaita Samuzain Ahabdullah between the Yid and the Goy. Says the Beis HaLevi, just like between day and night, there's a buffer zone called Ben Hashmoshes. It can't get any closer day and night. Even though it's Ben Hashmoshes, a Sophie game, Sophie Klein, of Lomaisa, there's a buffer zone between day and night called Ben Hashmoshes. So too, there has to be a separation, a certain separation between the Yid and the Goy. As soon as the Yid goes over that boundary, there's a, sp- a special thing that the Revishter brings up to make sure or to ensure the key of Klai Yisrael called anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism, Shtetn Rishonim, is a safeguard for the key of Klai Yisrael. Avada, you can, you have a khir, you can go wherever you want. But for sure there'll be Yidin that'll remain from a Yidin. Why? Because of anti-Semitism. So when we think about anti-Semitism, we think it's the X, the Zach, and the Welt. 
This is a grace of bracha. The more goyim hate the Jew, the less the Jew will have to do with the goy. The Jew will live separate. The goy will live separate. So the goy is a chufhengen. So again, in the Rehadarayin, and we can live in Menucha. But the liberal idiotin who feel anti-Semitism is the beginning of a new Holocaust, and is again with the fist, never again, so they think that they have to go and do all kinds of shtusim because of it. The greatest bracha that we have is anti-Semitism. Sounds funny. Although the Maisa doesn't have mitzis. A Yid has to stay away from the Goy as much as possible. Sign clothing. Yeah, yeah. Sign language. Sign names. If he lets the influence of the Goy come in, it's impossible for him to be a Frumayid. It's a Metzius. You can see it in the best of families. Deireis and Deireis and Deireis of Gedolim and Rabbonim and Tzadikim and Chassidim. As soon as the guy is exposed to the Welt, slowly but surely it creeps in, the Ashpoah from the Goy, and he stinks like a sewer. And slowly but surely, his kids go away from Yiddishkeit and his Zeynaklach marries Shiksis and Agutin Tov. If you see it in every single shul, you'll see it. You'll see it in every community. You'll see it in every family, you'll see it. There's come out no family that can't point with a finger to this and this cousin or uncle or aunt. And all this happened to them. The father had given her from a year, the Zayda given her from a year, the elder brother and the elder Zayda had given from a year, and this kid is a gangster. Happy Kairos, married a Shiksa, whatever the case may be. Every family has it. Ain't bias, Asher, ain't shum mace. So what? So what? So what are you supposed to do in that matzah? That's the matzah that we live in today. So what are you supposed to do in this matzah? You're not supposed to go closer to the goy and follow their shtusim ravolim. You're supposed to stay away from them as much as possible. And there's no other way to be successful. Here for the reason why you have a camp in the summer. It's for this reason. When you go away from the yeshiva, come on, stop the nonsense. When you go away from the yeshiva, <laughs> and you're not in the yeshiva, you don't have tuk tegvah learning, then you're it, it's it's zikr that you're going to be you're going to have a bigger shaykh as to the goy. I don't care whose house it is. Every single one, every person's house here has tarpus in it. I don't care whose house. You want? I'll come and check it out. I'll show you where it is. It doesn't have to be a television, it could be magazines, it could be newspapers, it could be editorials, it could be other shtus and barabolim. Every house has poison in it. So the kid that comes home from the yeshiva after so many months of learning, all he has to do is open up a magazine, or open up a New York Times, or open up the editorial page of any other uh, a paper, that'll see kfira, minas, hashpoav, goyim, and slowly but surely, you're influenced. You don't realize it. You know why you don't realize it? Because it's subtle. It, it only shtells a choice after several years, like there's a shayla, what to do here? Whether you hold like this or you hold like that, and you see yourself holding, not like the G'dayim. Now you don't understand why. You went to Yeshiva, you got to find the Talmud Chacham, and you follow Alokas and also find, and your mind dictates for a kid from the G'dayim. The G'dayim say, this is what you should do, and you hold, this is what you should do. Or the G'dayim say, you shouldn't do this, and you hold, you should do it. How does it come about that from a Yidin should go for a kid from G'dayim? Because they're influenced by the editorials of Mishugoyim, of Goyim. And the policies of a Goy can't work for a Yid. The politics of a Goy doesn't work for Klai Yisrael. The politics of the rest of the nations does not work for Klai Yisrael. Klai Yisrael will do from all these Cheshboinus. L'mayla from Amazola is L'mayla from all these Achim. There's a Bazundra Ashkocha for Klai Yisrael. So it's a folly on the part of most Jews. Everybody knows the Tumultzach in the belt. 97 Tumblr eyes. One tumble is Yom HaShoah. Another tumble is Yom HaShoah. This we want to discuss now. Another tumble is uh, Reagan. Another tumble is Nochazel Chashtusim. This, that, Russian Solidarity Day is tomorrow morning. A chreis, no one have to do. There's Kaseida tumbles by Klai Yisrael. The Egeis, Omanish Game, Pro, Kam, Kam, Kopro, Nochazel Chashtusim. There's Gedolim by Klai Yisrael. And any idiot, any idiot who feels that he has an opinion in the matter, is an Apicarus. Who are you to voice an opinion? If there would be a lady that doesn't have a husband, her husband is lost, and she doesn't know if she can remarry. So what, would any idiot decide to pass on that she can marry without a get or and we could assume the husband is dead? Who are you to pass on? Shalas of Agunas? That gains our love. 
und wir arbeiten, und wir das durchtun, und wir sitzen ganz in den Tagen, ganz in den Wochen, und ganz in den Monaten, and, and sometimes years, until we ask him what to do with the lady. If she can marry, she not marry. When it comes to these shadows, they get ganz klar, you swam. Do this, do that, not do that, yeah, do that. But all of a sudden, everybody is gewogen, the ganze Maven, what's the tongue? There's a shayla on a chicken, there's a shayla on a mezuzah, there's a shayla on a sefer teira, shayla on two, and about to get me some rope. But a shayla, what to do? Should we march? Should we not march? Should we make a protest? Not make a protest, all of a sudden, Yadarein is gewogen, the place of Kadon. That stems from the influence of Goy. That's Mamish Goyish influence. And it's apikusas on the part of anyone to mix into these things. It's nonsense. And not only is it because there are liars and there are swindlers and there are forgeries outside in the world that will tell you in the name of this God and that God and this God and that God and this God and 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 a guy that tells you apikosis, you can't believe that Rav Meishah said this, and you can't believe Rav Yaakov said this, and you can't believe that this one said that, because it's Shekhar v'chazim v'tchalos v'atzoifah. And it's been proven maybe 7,000 times that they forge, they lie, and they do whatever they dash feel like. But all this comes from the influence of Goyim. Because you look at everything the way a Goy looks at it. You dress like the Goy, you think like the Goy, you eat like the Goy, you play like the Goy, you speak like the Goy. So Shenzi, you're finished. You're a Goy. You don't realize it, but you're a Goy. So it's very wichtig. Especially before the summer. When there's more free time on your hand. And people are more apt to, to be involved in the belt more. You have to stay away from the influence of the Goy. By doing that, it means that you don't read their papers, you don't read their magazines, you don't listen to their trash, and you don't have anything to do with them. About it, you got to be cordial, you meet a Goy, you got to say hello, and I good talk, and speak menschlich to him, but not to listen to Shtus and Rabbalim. When a Goy doesn't mean that Goy, a Goy means that Yid was Apikeros is Ergevi a Goy. A Yid Apikeros does much, do it, much more damage than a Yid a Goy. Than a Goy a Goy menach. A Yid a Goy is Ergevi a Goy a Goy. Das ist einzig gesehen. Okay, well, that's it. Schön geendigt. Good luck, good luck. Good luck, good luck. Good luck, good luck. Good luck, good but the one that he did want to Okay, all right. That's why I have the mice from the Bible. I have them with Kabola this way. What can I do? I know, I know. Okay. 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 Get the major says and read it through, and I go to talk, and I go to act, and I go to work, and I go to if they didn't come out, so you'll get it. So you'll get it. What's the difference? All right? Yeah. I have it in the house. You want to see it? Too bad. I'm going to show it. Okay, let's go. It's not the Rashiva's shmuz now. There's no hurdles here. Hey, you're supposed to march now. Supposed to march? He's going to march. Yeah, he's steady. He doesn't know for sure. He doesn't know for sure. Who doesn't know? Yeah. Oh, you heard it from him? I heard something from Who was the guy? He heard it from him? He said it. He doesn't want to say it. He heard it from him? He heard it from him? Did he hear it from him? Okay, check it out. You'll see, he never heard it. Okay, let's go. Come on, we ate so. Let's go. Come on, let's get out of here. We gotta wake up for that one. What's happening? You know what Nibbani Seva talking means? Before you get old, you better get up and do tshuva. That's what the Zoya says. Nibbani Seva, 
Before you get old, Schwartz, talk him. Get up and do tshuva. Did you hear what I said? Okay, let's go. Wrong. 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 W